How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. Where are we going and how do we possibly sustain this thing? That is the question that we are all asking ourselves right now. I don't care whether you're an administrator or a brand new paramedic or EMT, we are all feeling the crunch of this industry crumbling around us and we need answers now. No, EMS is not regulated as being essential. Yes, we have been treading water for decades on sustaining a viable service line. Yes, the fee-for-service model is outdated and antiquated, and the rates of reimbursement are insulting. And finally, yes, in my humble opinion, COVID was a death blow to an EMS industry that was already on the ropes. With me today to discuss where we are going from here is someone who has a great deal of knowledge on this topic. He certainly has written a lot about it as well. Mr. Dan Gerard is the president of the International Association of EMS Chiefs. He is also the EMS coordinator for the Alameda City Fire Department in California, and he graciously has agreed to join me today. Danny, welcome. Mike, thanks for having me on. It's it's always uh, it's always great to talk with uh, other leaders and people that are trying to advance the profession, and uh, especially to talk to somebody from back home. You know, I'm a, I'm a Jersey boy originally, so that's right. I I should have made mention that one of the greatest things about Danny is he's a Jersey boy. So, uh, Danny, um, you know, I got to ask you, um, is this rock bottom for this industry right now? It's not rock bottom, but we're on the ropes. And how we're able to counter in the next two to five years is going to be the determining factor for us moving forward. I'm very passionate about this. You know, you and I have been in this for a a very long time. We've seen it, um, you know, in different ways. And let's be honest, we have always struggled in this industry. We have always struggled for that recognition. And that validation, but why does this feel so different right now? Why why are we in such uh, a state of flux? I think that for the longest time, leaders, both local, state, national, have been, you know, ringing the bell to try to warn people that this day was coming, and. What happened was, was that COVID really took the brakes off. We might have been able to squeak by for a few more years till we got to the point that we're at right now. But COVID really took us down a bunch of pegs. And one was the fact that Um, You know, when you look at uh, EMS in some communities, uh, you know, the police department and the fire department in some communities in the United States weren't going to places where, you know, there was outbreaks of COVID. But EMS still had to show up day in and day out. 
Uh, we dealt with the fact that we had inadequate PPE. I, I mean, I, I was at one point, I was using the same N95 mask. I wore it for six months because you know, I'm turning around telling my guys, hey, look, you know, you know, we're short. And if I'm going to tell them that they might have to reuse their masks, you know, I was going to, you know, I was going to be first. I was going to, you know, be the model for them for what they had to do. And then so many people got sick, critically sick. And then so many people had died. And it seemed like no one was hearing the despair that was going on within our community. And the reality of the situation is, is that there were some days EMS in some communities failed. They just couldn't deal with the overwhelming amount of calls that they had to deal with. But as a testament to the brave men and women of this profession, the next day they dusted themselves off, they got back up, and they went back out to do the job again. But, you know, I mean, we're broken in a lot of ways. We're broken in a lot of ways, Mike. Uh, we are. And, and you know, I, I always, I continue to go back to the irony of it. When, you know, we said during COVID, yes, COVID was the hardest thing that we've ever faced as an industry, as individuals, as providers. But it was probably our shining moment for uh, for our industry. The way that we were the ones that were on the front lines, truly the ones on the front lines, the, the, the ones that were interacting first with these patients that were this sick. And, you know, we threw all caution, you know, to the side. We, we said, you know, we're, we're dedicated to this industry. We're dedicated to our patients. And people celebrated us with pots and pans and, and, and you, know, you know, giving us all the kudos online on social media and everything else. And we said, oh, you know what? People are finally going to recognize what it is EMS is. It's not just an ambulance driver. You know, people are going to start to take notice. And ironically, here we find ourselves the worst we've been post-COVID. And, and I think at this point, people administrators included, are just completely deflated. Well, you know, I will, I've always said that EMS, whether we're going to talk about a pandemic or the World Trade Center or, uh, you know, the, the Las Vegas shooting, we are the canary in the coal mine and the point of the spear simultaneously. And, um, you know, I and very few, you know, we've done a poor job of communicating that back, not only to our elected officials, not only to the um, the career people in civil service positions, but to the community as a whole. Uh, and they got to see some of that during COVID. But, you know, unfortunately, memories are short. Yeah, there, there's no question that that's the case. And I think that what happened was it, we went all in, everybody went all in. And then at the end of the day, when this thing started to level out a bit and we could come up for air, we realized, or, or the majority of those in this industry realized, is this worth it for what I am getting paid for the life that I'm living? Is this worth it? And, and it all, it's always going to come back to this, Danny. Are, is it worth it for these men and these women to sacrifice themselves to not even come close to parity with other public safety disciplines? Well, you know, you brought up 
you brought up a, a, a point before I wanted to kind of touch on, and you know, we probably don't speak on it enough. And you talked about EMS, you mentioned EMS as an essential service. And, you know, I think that we need to frame the argument from the standpoint that EMS is a public good. You know, it's a service, it's provided, it's available to all members of society. Um, you know, typically these services are administered by governments, okay? But, it ne- you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, the service delivery model does not have to be a government agency. So it might be, a, you know, a volunteer squad in rural Pennsylvania. It might be, uh, you know, it might be an, you know, a, a private ambulance service in Louisiana. Uh, you know, it could be a fire department in California, or it could be a third service in, uh, you know, in Boston, for example. Uh, so, but it, it is a public good, and you, you the society cannot do without that service. I think that when we talk about essential services and essential workers, you know, we kind of get lost in the mix. Um, you, you know, like the people that work in ShopRite, the people that work in Safeway, you know, they were essential workers. That was an essential service. Construction services were essential, you know, essential services. But realistically, you know, if no construction went on, it might have been bad for the economy. But if we lose the EMS service in the community, that would be devastating. So, you know, I need to, you know, we need to kind of frame the argument. Absolutely, we're an essential service, but we're a public good. And, you know, when you think about it, um, you know, it's the regardless of service delivery model, everyone accesses the service the same way. They pick up the phone, they call 911. And, you know, we'll get somebody to, you know, we'll get somebody to come out and take care of you. And nobody ever turns around and says, you know, are you sending the Summit Volunteer First Aid Squad? Are you sending Pittsburgh EMS? Like nobody asks that question. You know, they're like, you know, I need the police. A police officer is going to come. I need the fire department. The fire department is going to come. You know, so we're a public, you know, we're a public good. Well, as we look to as we look to push this through, uh, you know, legislators and and all of these folks that could potentially, you know, push this forward and get this across the goal line, are we are we our own worst enemies? Sometimes the way that this is such a convoluted system, the way that we've bought into this, like you said, I mean, the the, the delivery, uh, the way that this is delivered nationwide is so different in in every different area of the country. And so sometimes I feel it's very difficult for those types of folks that are in those positions to even understand how to frame something around this. Well, you know, Mike, I think that you are absolutely correct. I I think that our worst thing that happens within our industry is when we try to frame the discussion about which service delivery model is better. And we try to frame the discussion of EMS as being based in one model and that that model is superior. To be honest with you, EMS is best provided in individual communities based on what that community needs. 
And it's the people that got together that formed the service and the system in their community and said, this is how we think that it needs to be. It needs to be based in a hospital. We want it to come out of a hospital. We need it to be a third service or we need it to be in the fire department. Um, too many times we confuse service delivery model with system. And they're not the same. Because if I turned around and I asked everybody here who dials 911 uh, to summon help, everyone would raise their hand. And then if I turned around and said, when you call 911, does the dispatcher give you some information about what to do until EMS gets there? And most people would raise their hand and say, yes, the dispatcher gives some information. And then does some type of first responder come and they might start CPR, they control bleeding, et cetera. And then after that, the, amb you know, the ambulance comes and you, know, you have EMTs and paramedics on scene providing care and everybody would raise their hands. And then are you going to transport your patient if you have a critically injured patient or you have a cardiac problem? Do you transport your patient to a specialty care center, uh, a cardiac center for STEMI or a trauma center? And everybody would raise their hand. Now, Mike, think about the essential elements I just described to you. They're the same in most communities in the United States. Maybe like in rural and frontier areas, it's a little bit tough to get, you know, it's, it's especially tough to get a timely response. And maybe you have to jump through a few more hoops to get the patient to the specialty care center. But by and large in the United States, that's the system, right? You know, I lived, when I lived in Summit, New Jersey, the PSAP for Summit was Summit Fire Department. It wasn't Summit Police. Now, I didn't design that model, you know what I'm saying? But it worked. Um, you know, my wife uh, is a dispatcher in, uh, she's a dispatch supervisor for uh, city and county San Francisco. They have a combined dispatch center that does police, fire, and EMS. The call lands in one place. They figure it out and they send it out to the, pro, you know, they figure it out and they send it to the appropriate agency. Um, you know, it, you have, pro, you know, we have Falk Ambulance uh providing ambulance service in Oakland with Oakland Fire. Um, when you go to uh, certain part, uh, most parts in New Jersey, the police department are is providing the first responder services. And then the ambulance could be, you know, volunteer, it might be a private service, or it might be some hospital-based service. So again, you know, the elements are the same, it's that service delivery model and it's the players and everybody does what works. So I don't think that it's to our advantage to fight with one another and say, my model is better. You know, our thing is to talk about the system and how do we support the system and how do we move it forward? Well, I agree completely. And I think you lay that out perfectly. And, and I do, I think support, supporting each other. Listen, we've always said that we, we've eaten, we've eaten, we feasted on each other as an industry. We've always done that. I mean, from day one, you know, you, you'll talk about this group, you'll talk about that agency, you'll talk about this provider. I don't know, you know, whether that's just our way psychologically of, you know, dealing with demons. I don't know what it is, but we've done that. And, and we're at a point now where we need to support and add and certainly advocate for ourselves. But in the interim, in the immediate time frame, staffing has become a disaster. Units are down everywhere. People have left this profession uh, to go work at Amazon and Target and all of these other places, which are paying comparable 
salaries, wages with better benefits. And people are saying, you know what, I just want to do this. And then the overtime in this industry is off the charts because the people that have stayed are working their butts off, which is leading to further burnout. What do we need to do in the, in the immediate time frame, Danny, to start to level this out? You know, we need to take, um, you know, like a page from, um, from World War II and, uh, you know, Uncle Sam, I want you. And we need to bring the heavy hitters, um, not only in the profession, but in the public purview and have them advocate for us that this is an admirable profession. This is a profession that you can make a career out of. But at the same time, we have to back that up with better pay, better benefits, and an actual career. I mean, they have to go on in tandem. You know, you can't, you, you know, you can't put it out there, you know, that we're going to bring you into this and then with the idea that, well, at some point down the road, the pay is going to get better. Listen, if they're not going on at this, you know, if they're not going on at the same time, uh, you know, we're just going to be in a, in a worse situation. You know, we're just going to have people, uh, you know, bail uh, from the organization. I, you know, I remember as a kid, um, the first aid squad, the North Ward first aid squad was down the street from my house, you know, and you, you know, you kind of like walk down there and I eventually like joined the first aid squad. Um, you know, I remember there was like a little kid, um, um, there on the boulevard in Bayonne and, you know, like he would always come by the ambulance garage and like peer in at McCabe's and like, you know, like a couple of years later, he became an EMT. He was in the EMT class, yep. you know, and he, you know, he would come by and he would talk like every day, day. Yep. you know, you would kind of, you know, you would indulge the kid. I mean, you know, he was, you know, he was kind of funny because he was so, it wasn't funny, but you know, it was kind of, um, heartening that he was so enthusiastic, you know, but he would like, you know, come by every day and then like he knew the equipment better than us. Right. You know, yeah. He was checking the trucks out. Exactly. Exactly. And he knew what exactly what we were doing, you know, and, and, uh, but you know, we, um, you know, we, you know, we need to do that again. You know, we need to stir that, that passion. Uh, I think about the TV show emergency and what it did for us as a profession. I think that sometimes, you know, there, there was a, a movie a couple of years ago, bringing out the dead and it, it really showed the darker side. I, I mean, even though there were truths to that story, right. The, the guy that wrote that, you know, there, you know, th those were his truths. Those were his experiences, but you know, that's, I don't think that's the image that we want to portray you know, to attract people to the profession. But at the same time, if we want to, you know, portray a positive image, we have to create the environment for them to stay. I agree. And, and that, that was one of the main reasons why I had signed on to do that live rescue show, because I thought that that was going to bring a little bit of uh, awareness about our industry to the general public. Because, hey, listen, if people are going to watch this and see what it is we do, they may actually start to realize, hey, these people are for real, you know, look at the service that they provide and then maybe get it out there and boost it up because that's what we need. We need the people, the citizens that rely on us to be able to understand what it is we do and advocate for us. And, you know, I, I think that we're starting to see a little bit more of it, especially um, within Washington, 
you know, touch a little bit, uh, you know, I know you had spoken and written a little bit about Bernie Sanders bill, which is the EMS Staffing and Support Act. And I think that this is certainly something that we should look at as a, a good start for this industry. Absolutely. And, you know, I would say the 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 Sanders uh, EMS Staffing and Support Act is a good first step to plant the flag. I know that there's been some criticism about it because, um, you know, essentially the um, the uh, it, it specifically lay, uh, left out the private for profit sector. But that doesn't mean that they're you know, they can't devise a mechanism that through either when the bill goes to committee or it's in conference and it's being discussed and it's being marked up and, it, you know, it's being written up, that the, that sector can't engage and get themselves included. You know, that's what uh, the committee work is done. And, you know, uh, organizations such as the AAA, uh, you know, they have lobbyists, you know, they are, are very active, um, you know, on Capitol Hill. We shouldn't let perfection, you know, our attempt to seek perfection be our enemy. You know, so if I mean, if it's not the perfect bill for the industry, let's address that. You know, let's be truthful. I have no problems taking that message and saying, look, you know, we need to, you know, we need to include the, you know, we need to include the private sector in this, you know, what was the reticence for not including them um, from the giddy up? And how do we address that, you know, in, in the bill? How, do, how can we fix that moving forward? Oh, without question. And, and not for another, but the, I mean, this bill has teeth. I mean, this is not a cheap bill. This is proposed, what is it, $500 million, um, you know, to be disseminated throughout yeah. I mean, this this ha this has real staying power as far as, you know, being able to get EMS off the mat and start to recruit folks and start to, you know, maintain folks. Um, th this is something that everybody should be aware of. Everybody should be pushing forward. And again, it's just something that I don't know that everybody even knows about at this point. Well, and, you know, if you look at the Sanders bill, cup coupled with the um, NRSS legislation that is uh, coming out of NHTSA that has a specific uh, component where they're going to give out like $350 million over, you know, every year for a five-year period. And that money rolls over. So if you don't spend all that money that first year, it gets rolled over into the second year and the third year. And you have potential for a huge payout in the fifth year. So the Sanders bill, the NRSS money, and then whatever we can leverage to improve payments from Medicare and Medicaid, we really have the opportunity to do some type of transformative, transgenerational change and achieve really good things here. Well, I think the time uh, is certainly now, Dan, and I think that, you know, advocacy is imperative, and I think it needs to come from all parties, not just certain ones. And and obviously, we're, we're in a state now where we need to act immediately. We need to save the industry that we've worked so hard to create uh, over all of these decades. And, and so many people have... Uh, 
basically sacrificed themselves and given, dedicated their entire careers to this. And it's certainly something that is worth continuing and moving forward and, and making better, you know, making something that is viable, that is truly a profession, the time is now. And, and Dan Gerard, of course, it's always awesome speaking with you, whether it's on the phone or it's at a conference or it's uh, on a podcast. So I want to thank you once again for coming on and, and sharing your expertise with the listeners. Mike, it's an honor to be here uh, and have the opportunity to speak with you and, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, stimulate some good discussion, uh, you know, within, within the profession. And thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you know, you've done some incredible work and not only, you know, your stuff previous to this with the TV show, because I mean, I absolutely love that. You know, I, I tuned in like every time it was on, I had the, uh, I had my DVR set to record that, but I, I mean, I, I, I don't miss, uh, any one of your podcasts. You're doing some great work here and I really appreciate this. I do appreciate that, Danny. And I know that everybody that's listening does as well. And, and certainly, uh, hope to see you real soon. As a reminder, we're going to be down in Orlando for EMS World Expo, October 10th to the 14th, a perfect opportunity to register. If you haven't already, it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic expo this year. Unbelievable speakers. Um, and it's going to be a great time to network down there and certainly push some of the things that we'll be speaking about. So make sure you register, uh, Danny, again, thanks for joining me. And thank you for listening to EMS World Podcast. We'll catch you later on the next one. I'm Mike McCabe. Talk soon. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.